We have been studying 1 Peter, and so if you would, if you would turn there with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we are going to start in verse 22 this morning. We have been discussing a lot of different things in this chapter. We're, we're finishing chapter 1 this morning, and in this chapter, we've seen a lot of things. We've seen that uh, Peter, that Jesus' disciple, that he is the one who is writing this letter, and he is um, writing it to Christians who have been scattered uh, due to persecution or for some other reasons, that they are considered elect exiles, and that they are um, considered that for more than one reason. One of the reasons they're considered that is because for those of us who are Christians, um, this world is not our home. We, are, we await a time when we will get to live and dwell with God in heaven, and so they're exiled from, from that temporarily. But in verse 3, we saw where according to his great mercy, God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope that our salvation comes from God. He's the one that convicts us of our need for him. He's the one who's already done all the work necessary in order for us to have a relationship with him. He sent his son, Jesus came to this earth, and he lived a life, and he gave that life for us to pay the penalty that we owed. Because as we've talked about over the weeks, the the Bible makes it clear that that God is a good God, that he is a a righteous judge, and so he has to punish wrongdoing. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore all of us deserve um, to be punished by God because he is a righteous judge. He has to do what's right, and it's right to punish wrongdoing. But thankfully, he sent his son. And Jesus willingly came and said, I will take that punishment for them. For anybody who wants to to accept my payment, I will pay the debt they owe you, God. And we've talked about that. And we've looked at how much of a blessing that was and how when Jesus paid for that, he was not paying for that with gold or something that would fade away. He was paying for that with his perfect, precious blood. And we've looked at that over the last several weeks. And um, if, if you missed any of those sermons, then they're available online. Uh, but we, unfortunately, we can't go back and look at all of that and all the context and all the rich, richness of that in a few minutes this morning. But I wanted to remind you of some of those things because it all leads to where we are this morning. And we're going to start a new thing in, in 1 Peter where Peter, yes, he, he's going to remind us of where our salvation comes from. Yes, he's going to remind us, as he did early on in, in chapter 1, that uh, our salvation is in God's hands. It, sa- it says it's kept by him in heaven for a day which he will reveal, right? We, our salvation, even though we've been forgiven of our sins and justified, made right with God, our salvation is in three parts. It was once upon a time, for those of us who are saved, we got saved, and then he continues to work out our salvation to make us more and more like him. That's called sanctification. And so even though we're saved, and if anything happened to us right now, for those of us who have been born again, as Peter uses those words, as we saw in the gospel according to John and some other places, even though we were born again, and that was a used past tense, it's already happened, 
our salvation is also in process in the sense of he's making us more and more like him. And then one day it will be complete when we are given new bodies, when we no longer have to deal with sin, when we no longer have to deal with sickness, when we no longer have to deal with the issues, uh, the, the bad parts of this world, then our salvation will be complete. And I wish we had more time to spend focusing on those things. I wish we had more time to spend focusing on how precious Jesus' payment was. I wish we had more time to revisit, as we have over the last few weeks, the glory of God and what that means for us, that a perfect, glorious God would still desire to have a relationship with us in a way where we deserve to pay the payment, and yet he paid it for us. It had to be paid because he's righteous. He has to do what's right. So sin had to be dealt with, and he dealt with it through the death of his son. And so uh, we don't have time to, to go back and look at all that in detail, but I wanted to remind it, you of it today, especially for our guests that are here who, who weren't here for those uh, first 21 verses of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Uh, but here we are in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, and this, the message this morning is that if salvation is genuine so should brotherly love. Our, our love for each other should be genuine, too, if our salvation is genuine. And notice I use that word, if. So, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, before we move on to the next verse, I want us to look at this one in detail. And I want to make sure that we understand something. This is talking to people who have already been saved. Their hope is, is, is with God. Their salvation is secured by Him. We've already read that in the first uh, 21 verses. And so we cannot just come to this verse and look at it by itself because that's how we get confusion about what the Bible is really saying is we forget about the context. And the context is key to understanding what God's Word is saying. And so... If you weren't careful, you could look at this and say, and having purified your souls by your obedience, you could look at that and say, oh, we earn our way to, to heaven. We have to obey in order to get to heaven. But that's not what this is saying in context. We're, that would be ignoring the first 21 verses where it talks over and over again about how God did this. God made it possible. It was Jesus' blood. He's keeping our salvation in heaven. It, he's... It's all about what he has already done, but there's a, an important lesson to learn here is if we are saved, if we truly have a relationship with Jesus, if we have been born again, if we've asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins and we've become followers of him, then there's a really important thing to learn here, and that's this. Yes, he's the one that saves us. Yes, he's the, it's by his grace that we have been saved, Right? None of us have a reason to boast. It is not by works. That's from Ephesians 2. And um, that's important for us to know. But verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 2 is also important, which says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, a lot of times as Baptists, for those of you in here who are Baptists, if you're not, I'm letting you in on a little secret. Um, a lot of times for those of us who are Baptists, we definitely focus on the fact that we are saved by grace, that all we have to do is put our faith in him. But then we, we leave it at that. And, and that 
sometimes hinders us from having a true understanding of biblical faith, of what it truly means to be born again. You see, you can say, I believe in Jesus, and that can save you if you have (laughs) biblical faith. But you can also say, I believe in Jesus, and that doesn't save you. Because, what I mean, why am I saying that? Well, if you look at the whole context of the New Testament, we see plenty of examples of, well, in James, it says even the demons believe and shudder, right? The demons know who God is, but their knowledge and them believing that he really is God doesn't save them. In the same way, Jesus, when he's talking about the end of time, uh, back in Matthew, he, he talks about how there's going to be a time when people come to him and say, Lord, Lord. So they're even calling him Lord. And they say, we did this in your name and we did that in your name. And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Now, it's important to understand that he says never. Not, I, I, I knew you for a little bit, but then you weren't good enough, and so I don't know you anymore. He says, I never knew you which means that they, even though they called him Lord, they never had a relationship with him. You see, the Bible is very clear that, yes, all we have to do is confess with Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is God, that God has raised him from the dead, and we will be saved. That's, it is that simple, but what the New Testament writers mean when they say believe and what we mean when we say believe might be different. We truly have to put our faith in him, that yes, He is God. He is Lord. Yes, he has done what is necessary in order to save us through his death on the cross. He can forgive our sins. If we just confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of every wrong, according to 1 John 1, verse 9. Those things are true. Believing that is right. But then it's more than that. He becomes our Lord. It's not just calling him Lord, acknowledging that he is Lord, acknowledging that he is God, but he becomes our God. We become his. We enter into a relationship. And that's what biblical faith is. It's not just knowing that he is God, but him becoming our God. Us having a relationship with him. And it's important to know that and That's spelled out in different ways in the first 21 verses here before we get to verse 22. But what's important important to remember, and this is going back to that thing for those of us who are Baptists, what's important for us to remember is, is that, yes, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. Yes, it is by faith. And it, it... all we, we don't have to do anything but believe and put our faith in him, and he becomes our God. But when that happens... If you're not on your deathbed when that happens, then you know what else should happen? We should become his, and this process of sanctification should start. We should become more like him. He should be transforming us into his image. And I'm not saying there's never going to be a time when we backslide, there's never going to be a time when we mess up, but if we're truly his, then that should be evident by the works in our life. We're not saved by those works. We're saved by God's grace and our faith in Christ. But if we are saved, there should be a result of works. And this is important for us to remember. We can't just say, oh yeah, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, and then just rest in that without there being relationship and without there being a change that God is doing in us. 
It's not that we change ourselves. He changes us. He begins to change us. And we submit to him in obedience. And as we submit to him in obedience, we become more like him as we're about to read. And I know I'm talking a lot more than going through the scripture, but the scripture is kind of connected this morning. So when we start reading this, I I will have already explained what's going on rather than usually as we read it and then I explain. So with that said, in our salvation, in our relationship with him, yes, we should love him and we should um, have a relationship with him, but that relationship should result in our obedience. In fact, if you were to go to John chapter 14, uh, that chapter is starting with, uh, chapter 13 ended with Jesus telling his disciples that he was about to have to leave them, and he's talking about his death, but they don't understand what's going on. And he says, but don't worry because you know the way, and they're like, we don't know the way, we don't even know where you're going. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so there, he's reiterating something that we've already talked about, that that Jesus is the way to salvation. He is the way to forgiveness. He is the way to heaven. Uh, But then, if you were to continue reading in that chapter, you would see time and time and time and time again that he says, if you love me, anybody know the rest? Yes, I heard it in different ways, and it's said in different ways in that same chapter. He repeats himself more than once. If you love me, obey me. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, do this. Now, he's not saying you have to do works in order to be saved. He's saying if you're saved, the result should be works. If Jesus is who he says he is, and he has really radically changed our lives, he has moved us from judgment and hell to heaven and relationship, if he has really done that, then that should change something in us. No matter how bad we were before we became a Christian or how good we were before we became a Christian, no matter if we were six years old or 60 years old, it doesn't matter if we come to know Jesus, something in us should change. Because we stop living for ourselves. How many of y'all have ever met... um, a six-year-old who, who was, is raised in church, maybe you're the person I'm describing, um, and yet they still threw fits, and they were still selfish, and they still got in trouble every once in a while. Anybody ever met a six-year-old like that? All of us. I just described every six-year-old. It's because just because we were raised in church doesn't mean that we're automatically like Jesus. Even if we're raised in church, we still have to have a relationship with God for ourselves. And so parents, it's our responsibility to raise our children in the Lord, but it's also our responsibility to point them to their need for Him. That we need a relationship with Him in order to be the people that He has called us to be. And so it's our responsibility to point them in that way. And it's our responsibility to help them see that, yeah, they, they might have good hearts. I hope all of our kids do, right? Uh, hopefully they're all pretty well behaved. Hopefully we're, we're disciplining them and teaching them the, the right way to do things. Hopefully. But even with being a pretty good person, we're still sinners. And our definition of a pretty good person is that's our cultural definition. That's what we think because of the way we were raised. 
I could ask y'all what you think a pretty good person is, and I would get 20 different definitions in here. And if we're not good according to what the Bible's standard of good is, then we're in trouble. And by the way, the Bible's standard of good is perfect. And as I just mentioned, I don't recall meeting any perfect people, even six-year-olds, even precious babies yawning. I can remember a time when uh, John Michael, who is eight now, he was a toddler, and he was barely walking, you know, and he toddled over to an electrical outlet, and he started going for it, and it was in slow motion. You know, you parents know, you've experienced this. And I was across the room, and I said, John, no. And I'm going for him and reaching for him, and I, I patted his hand, and he looked at me like, you don't know me like that. Quit hitting me. And then he started laughing at me because he thought it was really funny that I did that. Yeah, I, I could tell right then that this was going to be good news. Anyway, the next day, I see him toddling over there again with a big old smile on his face. And, he, and, and he's like slowly doing it this time because he knows it's not right. And he's reaching for it. And I look at him and I say, John Michael. And he just <laughs> and laughs. And, and I didn't teach him to do wrong. That boy knows how to do it all by himself. We have to teach our kids to do right and know right from wrong. We are born into sin. We are, we are born as sinners. We are born into a fallen world. We can be born and our bodies not be perfect. We can be born and our minds not be perfect. We're born into a fallen world. We all need Jesus, no matter if we're raised in church or not. And so, in that need, we cry out to him. And when we cry out to him for salvation, for forgiveness, wanting him to become our Lord, when he has even put that desire in our hearts for us to even call out, we can know that when we call out, he is able to save because of the works that he has already done. And because he has done those works, and because he saves us, we should live our life for him. And that's what Peter is talking about. Having purified your souls, he's already explained how those souls are purified by God, but now in sanctification, in us living out a relationship with God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the tr truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. A sincere brotherly love. So what's one of the ways that we can work out and show that we are saved, show that we have a relationship with God? Well, a sincere brotherly love. And this word sincere it, in the Greek, in the original language of the Bible, it's saying not, not hypocritical, a genuine, sincere, true love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since we have been saved, we have a responsibility to love one another. Parents, that starts with our children. We have a responsibility to love our children. There's nothing sadder than seeing a child who does not have love from a parent. I'm not going to expound on that. I don't have to. We've all seen it. So during this baby dedication this morning, 
He thought it was over. I tricked you. We have to dedicate to loving our brothers. Because remember, we read in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. But if you remember Jesus, he added love your neighbor as yourself, love your brother as yourself. And so we're not just to love God, but if we truly love God, then that will be reflected in our genuine, not hypocritical, our genuine love for one another. And this morning, I would say that that should start in our closest circle first, our family. And it extends from there. Everyone who comes into contact with us should experience the love that we have for God and for them. A sincere, a genuine, a true brotherly love. We should love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23. He's repeating, you know, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Remember that when Jesus saved us by his blood, it's, I'm repeating some stuff that's already been said here, but Jesus saved his, us by his blood, and that that is a forever thing. It's not perishable. It cannot die. It's imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of God. Now, John 1 says that Jesus is the word, and then that the word was God. And here we see that we have been born again through Jesus, through the Word, and we are to continue in that, just as He has. Verse 24. For all flesh is like the grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers falls, and the flower falls. But the Word of the Lord remains forever. So Peter is quoting Isaiah here. And then he finishes with this. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't, then you can have one with him. You can call out to him in faith. You can ask him to save you and to forgive you of your sins. And, and that calling out and that salvation that occurs, how do we know it's genuine? Because if it's genuine, it should result in us being like him in good works and in other things. The good works and being like him, us trying to do that doesn't save us. We're already saved, and therefore the result of that salvation is works, good works. And if you have been saved, if you're in here and you have been saved, and you love Jesus, then that love should result in genuine brotherly love for other people. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to think about the people closest to you, your family. A lot of us have complicated relationships with our family. Sometimes there are bad seasons. Sometimes we move past those seasons and the relationship is stronger. And sometimes we don't move past those seasons and, and, and bitterness grows in us or apathy and lack of concern. And I would say that that is not a healthy place to be that we should have genuine love for our brothers. And starting inward and going outward, if, if we have any issues or any conflict within our family, then we should work on those. And it might, mean, it might not mean that you're at a point yet where you can go talk to that person, 
Maybe you need to start working on your own heart and, and preparing for a conversation that you will have with them. But we need to make sure that we love the people around us. No matter what's going on, no matter what the past holds, no matter what they've done or we've done or what conflict occurred, we have to love. And so that starts here and then works its way out to our extended family and then works its way out to our friends, our co-workers, and it works its way out beyond. I would say that this even applies to Facebook and Twitter and whatever social media you're on that you should love. I would say that, that this extends to whatever politician you're against, that you should love. It doesn't mean you have to agree, but you should love with a genuine love. And it starts inward. It starts close to home. It starts with family, children, parents. It works its way out to cousins, uncles, beyond. It starts with our church family. If, if we're not living in unity, if we're not living in love as a church family, how are we going to reach people outside of our church family? So it starts here, and it works its way out. And let our love be genuine for all people. If we say we have a relationship with God, the one true God, and we call ourselves by his name, we call ourselves Christians after Christ, then let's strive to be like him, and let's strive to love like him. Not because the people around us deserve it, because we've done a lot of things that make us not deserve to be treated the way I'm describing. But God loves us anyway, and we should love others anyway. And I'm not telling you what to do in your situation. Well, I kind of am, but that's okay. I'm not telling you specifically in your specific situation what you should do except to love. And let love be genuine. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We love these babies. We love these children. We love that you filled our church this morning. And I pray that you would be with these parents as they raise their kids. And that they would raise them in love. That they would love the Lord, their God, with all of their heart, soul, and might. And that they would teach their children these things. That they would wear it between their eyes, that they would write it on their doorposts and on their gates, that everyone would know, Lord, not just for the parents that are dedicating their babies this morning, but for all of us who are in here, that everyone would know that we love you, that we love the Lord, and that we love them. Lord, help us to let our love for our brothers and our sisters be genuine. Lord, I pray for any families in here right now who are going through conflict, who have been through conflict, that you would help to restore that and redeem that in a way that only you can. God, I pray for, for people who have given up on relationships a long time ago, that you would mend and heal those things in a way that we never thought possible, that you would do a work that only you can do. And I pray that you would put it on our hearts, Lord, to be ministers of reconciliation that we would pray for the people that have wronged us or that we have wronged and that we would desire to be one with them again. Lord, whether that's a family member or a co-worker or someone else, Lord, help us to love and help us to be known by our love. And God, I just pray that as we come to our time of invitation, that you would convict each one of us to respond to you in whatever way we need to. Lord, if, if we need to, to follow you, if we've never been saved and, and never been born again, as Peter described it, and we need a relationship with you, I pray that we would come to you this morning 
and that we would cry out to you and that you would hear our cries and that you would save us. Lord, I pray that if we have a relationship with you, that you would transform us and, and show each one of us what we need to work on in order to become more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.